1: I think
2: pretty much all of it's mental, you know, in the sense of physically we're more than capable of playing at a, at a high level. We have great athletes and great football players at all the different positions. You know, I don't think there's a spot on our team that's lacking. But, um, you know, when you don't come out and focus mentally every single play, you know, there's football games are long. And you get 60 plays generally on either side of the ball and and you can't afford to take one off, you know, mentally. you got to be focused and and that becomes much more apparent when you play against a really good football team like Calgary, for sure.
0: A little bit from Mike Riley. Eskimos ready for the rematch tomorrow against the Calgary Stampeders. And a theme for the Edmonton Eskimos, has been beating themselves. They feel they lost several opportunities to score points with the turnovers in the second half on Monday, and and, and then obviously a late penalty allowed the Stampeders to extend the drive and uh, score the game-winning points. My name is Reed Wilkins, Greg Peterson, Stampeders analyst for their broadcasts on News Talk 770, our sister station in Calgary. Greg, just don't tell Bo Levi Mitchell the Eskimos beat themselves, eh? (laughs)
3: Yeah, Bo kind of took that a little bit personally and thought it was disrespecting the Stampeders by saying that they didn't win the game, the Eskimos lost. But you know what, these two teams, they're so schooled in not getting bulletin board material. I kind of like it. I kind of like a little bit of trash talking going on. Uh, Used to see that all the time, haven't seen it much lately.
0: You know, and, and I I played those clips on my show yesterday, and uh, my experience with Bo in uh, in interviews is that he has no shortage of confidence. Um, you know he, he's not afraid to, to, to say what he's thinking it's it he doesn't always this is just my experience with him he doesn't always come across as the most pleasant guy but maybe that's just him doing interviews in Edmonton but I also said let's look at it from the logical side of the equation if you're CJ Gable what are you going to do come out and say we're never going to beat the Stampeders and they're too good No, you're going to come out and say we beat ourselves and we need to play better and if you're Bo Levi Mitchell you're not going to come out and say oh yeah they had us we're we're lucky they fumbled you're going to come out and say hey scoreboard we had more points in the end and we do we have nine out of ten times so I mean I understand that fans can get a little fired up about it but both players comments made sense to me from a competitive standpoint
3: yeah and you know what a lot of times players are commenting on what the coaches are saying in the background there and I'm you know i don't know i'm certainly not in the locker room or in the meetings of the edmonton Eskos but i would bet that their coaching staff is saying to them i would if i was their coaching staff they're saying hey guys let's look at the film we can win this uh we're uh as good as these guys uh look at we just beat ourselves so you know then you come out all and, and the coaches part of their job is to give players the confidence to go out there and believe they can win well they Then they get uh, the media hit them up as soon as they get out of the meetings and they're all fired up about it. So um, that happens quite a bit. You know, I played for 10 years. I know what it was like. So there I honestly believe that a lot of times players are just saying what the coaches are saying to them.
0: Yeah, and, and any coach that says, uh, oh, we're not good enough to beat them probably isn't going to be a coach for very long. Uh, you play, you mentioned your career with the uh, Stampeders. I just quickly Googled their head coaches during that era. You were uh, lucky enough to play for Wally Buono, I think your last three years in the CFL. Um, you had some good years as a stamp, other years where the where the team wasn't as good. What, what coach was the best at making the team believe in its abilities or maybe believe that they had more ability than they actually did?
3: Well, all coaches are different. I mean, I had Larry Koharik. I had Bob Vespasiani. I had um, uh, uh, Brado. Um, I, I enjoyed them all in many ways. I mean, Koharik was quite um, abrasive at times, but he had certain players. You know, every, I don't think it's up to the coaches to get a player to believe in himself. If you get to the troll level and you don't have confidence, even after taking a couple knocks and getting beat, then you shouldn't be there. I mean, Wally obviously uh, got the – we had the best team. We had a lot of success with Wally. But um, I don't think it's the coach's job to do that. They're going to say things in the meeting. Um, I can't say that one was better than the other. They're all different. All coaches have different temperaments and different personalities and different methods of trying to get the team to play better.
0: Yeah, Greg Peterson joining us on Inside Sports, former Calgary Stampede, are now an analyst for the broadcasts on News Talk seventy-seven. Uh, quickly, j- just to, just to look back a little bit because I haven't talked to you this week. Uh, your your impressions of, of Monday's game? What did you leave McMahon on uh, on Monday thinking about that game?
3: Well, I honestly didn't think Calgary played that well, uh, but you know I get to see them all the time. Uh, they made a lot of mistakes, and I honestly thought. I I didn't think the Eskimos' defense was not good, but I I think they got a very good, strong defense. They play zone better than any team in the league. Um, They're just a well-coached team that uh, plays zone a lot, and it's very tough. Bull Levi Mitchell beats teams that play man. He is so good at reading when the blitz is coming. He's so good at finding his keys and his reads and knowing where to throw the ball in man-to-man uh Bo has a harder time with zone teams and um you know for for example Saskatchewan play ball very well because they play a lot of creative defense and they stick a zone behind a blitz and that type of stuff so Calgary um i, I expected them to struggle in a uh, little bit uh, i expected them to play a little bit better i think this game is going to be totally different i mean Calgary's banged up right now Edmonton always plays better that second game it's going to be down to the wire once again, and it's probably going to come into the fourth quarter. And um, you know, the Eskimos have as good a chance, I think, as Calgary to, to win this game. They're fired up, and a lot of it is when you're nine and one. Sometimes it's tough to get that incentive to, to play with the desperation you need to play every game. And I, I, you know, as a Stampeder fan, I'm just hoping the Stamps continue to get that. But I'll tell you, I was at the Eskimo practice today, and they're. Mad, hungry, determined. So um, it's going to be a act of a football game.
0: Well, the injuries are a big story. Darrell Walker's out six to eight weeks for the Eskimos. C.J. Gable is listed as the starting running back for the Eskimos, but we don't know how healthy he he really is. Uh, could wind up seeing Shaq Cooper a lot tomorrow. And, uh, I mean, Calgary got bit uh, big. Time. What, are we up to half, half a dozen guys out for Monday's game with injuries, Greg?
3: Yeah, I think Calgary was hurt more with the injury bug than uh, the Edmonton Eskimos were. We got our all-star wide-side corner, Seante Evans, he's out. We got our rookie great running back who was on the road to be rookie of the year until he got hurt. Well, he's back out, Don Jackson. Our starting fullback, Charlie Powers, out. Our center, Yacombri Williams, he's out. And then, of course, we got Kamar Jordan, who is just like your walker. Of course, he had two of the three Uh, along with Jordan, who are in the top for receiving. So Calgary is definitely, this is the first game that they've really had this many key injuries out. So that's going to, I think, the injuries are going to be worse on Calgary than they are on Emerson.
0: Now, having said that, part of the reason Calgary's been so good for so long is depth. That, go, that goes for any good team. I, I'm going to read these stats to you, Greg. I, I did them with Dave Campbell in the first hour of the show. Since John Huffnagel came back as the general manager, here's Calgary's record against every other team in the CFL. I'll go east to west. 21-10 and 10 against the Lions, 23-8 and eight against the Eskimos, 21-10 and 10 against Sask, 19-4 and four against Winnipeg, 19 and 2 against Hamilton, 15 and 6 against Toronto, 7 1 and 2 against Ottawa who haven't been in the league uh, that whole stretch obviously, and the only one that's moderately close is 13 and 8 against the uh, the Montreal Alouettes. I, I know they uh, a couple of years ago I think they lost a meaningless uh, end of season game against the Alouettes. Uh, I mean uh, not not to take anything away against Dickinson and the current coaches but but Huffnagel has had an incredible run there. From your observations, Greg, how does Huff keep doing it year after year?
3: Well, he just knows his football. He, he's a football guy. Um, he knows how to spot talent. He knew how to coach. He now stepped into the general manager role and knows how. And, and he's still very involved in helping Dave with, with decisions. Obviously, they have a good um, uh, recruiting system that goes on. But it's not just that. Um, they, they know how to bring players in and develop them, right? And you're kind of it's for, a little bit fortuitous to them because when you have a team that goes 9-1 and and wins a lot of games, you can get these young guys into games and they get experience. You've got a team that's you know, 50-50 and you always got to play your starters and the young guys don't get as much of a chance to play. So Calgary, ever since Huff has come in, they've always been a good team. Consequently, they get their young guys lots of time. Consequently, when they get in a chance to get to play like they're going to this game, some young guys because of injuries, they step in and do very well. But reading off those stats, I, I never knew those and that that's quite incredible, isn't it?
0: <laughs> well and, and that's and, and it's it's frustrating for Eskimos fans because of the rivalry and, and I'm not I'm not excusing that the Eskimos have lost all those games, but I mean Calgary's been dominating everybody uh, since Huffnagel yeah, came back. They, I, they
3: really have. And it probably hurts Edmonton's feelings a little bit more than anyone else. But you know what? You guys had your years. I was uh, my first part of my career. We could never beat the Edmonton Eskimos. And um, it's a great rivalry. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, the rivalry exists. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Calgary's rivalry maybe over the last four to five years has been a little bit hotter, I think, with Saskatchewan. A lot of that is the Chris Jones element used to be with Calgary. A lot of that is in Saskatchewan or in Calgary. We have so many fans that come out. That are Saskatchewan fans that irritates Calgary fans because right. they've been limiting Calgary for the last fifty years, but they're still Saskatchewan fans. <laughs> but you know what? I when I played, it was always Edmonton, and that's because they were the king of the hill. They were the top, and uh, I love to see the this this rivalry. I like to see it hot. Um, last uh, uh, last week, the Labor Day game, I saw more. Eskimo fans there, which is great. And it's always good to be one and two kind of in the CFL. And I do think these are the two top teams in the CFL.
0: Well, you know, that's interesting you said that, because I, I think if I were to do power rankings, Saskatchewan's moved up to number two. And, and you know, obviously the rankings, you know, what we think might happen in any given week is, is just more for fun. But I wanted to ask you about Saskatchewan and Chris Jones. And you played uh, defensive back for our, our younger listeners who might not remember you playing. Um and and it's funny greg because yeah i, I obviously know I, I lived in lloydminster for uh, for 7 years so i knew got to know a lot of rider fans there that i'm still in touch with uh, you know i always ask listeners to excuse me i have some current really good friends who cheer for the Saskatchewan rough riders <laughs> and it's funny greg like i'll I'll, I'll talk to them after games Often after games, the riders have won, and they'll be like, "I can't stand how Chris Jones coaches. Like, why do we? Why do we only try to gain three yards a play on offense?" And I'm like, "Well, you're winning." And a couple times yeah. they'll take a shot. I mean, he he's a fascinating study in his approach to Canadian football. I don't know if everybody's anybody's ever taken it to the extremes he has.
3: He's a little, yeah. He's got his own way of doing things. He, obviously, he is a uh, defensive genius and brought in a lot of creative things and he thinks the game really is won and lost by the defense. And I think it's just maybe how he portrays himself, how he comes across, just how he looks on the sideline, that some fans get a little bit ticked off at him. But you know what? Look at his record. He's been successful wherever he's gone. He was successful with the Montreal Alouettes as a defensive coordinator. He comes to Calgary. He was success- successful in Calgary. Then he goes to Edmonton, or sort of Toronto and he beats Calgary in the Great Cup, successful there. And then he gets a head coaching job in Edmonton, successful there. And then he goes to Saskatchewan, he's successful there. Or And, and the thing about him is he loves athletes. And I don't necessarily agree with this. I have a different philosophy than Chris on it. But he wants track great athletes on defense. And there's not a defense in the league right now that is more athletic than the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Um, other coaches, like Mike Benavides, He's looking for just good, solid football players. And I'm, I'm not saying this, Reed, to be negative, but there are so, a lot of players on Calgary's defense and more, I think, on Edmonton's defense that could not play for Chris Jones because he looks at how fast are you, how high you can jump, are you a sh- super athlete? Um, and then you've got some guys like Sherrod. He's five nine. He's a great football player, but I don't think he's a Chris Jones-type football player in many ways because he's not... You know the guy that's the fastest and, and jumps the highest. I don't agree with Chris's philosophy, but that's what he likes. So consequently, he always has the most athletic defense out there.
0: Yeah, you must have loved that as a former defensive back when they moved Daron Carter over, eh? And took a took a job away from a guy who'd been playing defense since he was like five <laughs> years old somewhere.
3: Well, I think Chris <laughs> blew that one. I really do. You don't. You, I just totally think he mucked that and why he would take Daron Carter and defensive backs are nice guys offensive uh, wide receivers are usually cocky idiots and keep them over with the cocky idiots and away from the nice defensive back
0: <laughs> there you go that's awesome uh greg always love having you on the show we, we usually do this a couple times a year uh, and we always do it this week leading into the rematch are you coming uh are you going to come for the gray cup regardless of the the teams that are in it do you have a plan for that week yet uh, no, I probably won't, but if Calgary's in it, I'll probably go. And,
3: of course, I'm looking forward to having the Great Cup in Calgary in 2019, so that should be good. But I'll probably only go to the Great Cup just because I'm so busy with my law practice. Um, if Calgary gets in it, if they get in it, then I will be there. But, you know, having said that, it's only a two-hour drive, so you've maybe got me thinking I should come up no matter what.
0: Well, we're, we're, we'll get you on the show uh, that week either in person or on the phone. Sound like a plan? It's, it's always fun, Reed. I really enjoy it, so anytime. That is Greg Peterson checking in tonight. Love having him on the show. Color Analyst for Calgary Stampeders Football on our sister station, News Talk 77. Pretty uh, pointed comments there about uh, Chris Jones. And I detected from Greg, and I don't think he's the type of guy that would come on and pander to the audience. Uh, I got the impression from Greg, he thinks, uh, you know, the Eskimos have a pretty good chance uh, tomorrow, given the Stampeders' injuries, and he mentioned, you know, 9-1, the desperation level won't be as high for the Stamps as it might be for the Eskimos. That's his look on it anyway. You can text 636 30 You can call 780-496-0063. Djokovic serving for the match in the second semifinal at the U.S. Open. He's looking to play Del Patro for all the marbles on Sunday. We're back after the break.
4: Do we want to get rocked?
2: This is Mike Riley from Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet there's been a lot of games where at the, at the end we haven't finished how we wanted to and it's cost us um you know and like you said early in the season at the start wasn't so great so <laughs> we're we're capable of playing great football in, in each individual four quarters but um you know you'd like to put it all together but again it's it, football is a long game 60 minutes plus if you got to go to overtime there's a lot that happens in those games um I think everybody that's familiar with football knows that generally it comes down to five or six plays um you know that you could point to afterwards that define the outcome of the game but while you're out there playing you don't know which play that's going to be obviously so um that's why as we talked to the very beginning you know you have to have that uh finite focus on every single play, because that you know it might be the first, it might be the last, it might be one of the sixty in between. Um, you got to be ready for that play, and and that's what I've said about Calgary. You know, for a number of years, is that they don't hurt themselves. You know, they understand the importance of that, and uh, if you want to get a win against them, you got to match that that focus, and you got to make sure that you're ready to make the play when the opportunity presents itself.
0: A little bit more from Mike Riley. He and the Green and Gold take on the Stampeders tomorrow at 5. Our coverage will start at 3. It's the Labor Day rematch. Ottawa and BC, the CFL game tonight. It doesn't start until 8 o'clock. Novak Djokovic has finished off a straight set semifinal win over Kai Nishikori at the U.S. Open 6-3, 6-4. And, uh, well, I just missed the final sc- the score in the final set. But he uh, goes through in straight sets. He'll play... Uh, Juan Martin Del Patro in the final on Sunday. Uh, He was playing Rafael Nadal. He was up two sets to nothing. Nadal had to retire because of a knee injury. Over at foot field, halfway through the first quarter, Regina leading Alberta 9-3 in Canada West football. Oilers rookie camp, first on-ice session today. I had a great chat with Joseph Gambardella, not just about his hockey career, but about his business career. He got a... uh, Business management and marketing degree from UMass Lowell. While he was playing in the NCAA, he had an extremely busy summer putting that degree to work. You'll get that story after the news.
5: Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, six thirty. Chad.
2: From the new,
0: she's been one of the Oilers skating this week at Rogers Place. Informal workouts for the Oilers. Training camp will start on, uh, geez, the 13th. That's less than a week away with uh, the physicals. They'll, uh, they're scheduled to hit the ice one week from today. First Oilers preseason game Monday the 17th in 10 days against the Calgary Flames. And, of course, we'll have Oilers rookie broadcast for you here on Ched Sunday afternoon, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Thanks a lot for tuning in this evening. My name is Reed Wilkins. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. You can find them at 124th Street and 107th Avenue online at northchickenyeg.com. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer this evening. Kellen, how's it going, old buddy? Doing great. Friday night in the big city. It's all Late, late in the first quarter. Regina up 12 3 on the uh, Alberta Golden Bears. Hopefully the Bears can keep uh, that one under control and maybe. Pull out the victory. Uh, Yakushev texting the show, who is often one of our most humorous texters, but he's uh, serious about this one. We we had the commercial earlier that I commented on Kellen for the Terry Fox run. Correct. He says Terry Fox is the epitome of what a role model should be: not pretentious, no hidden agendas, no selfishness, no BS. He has raised millions of dollars for cancer research, and he started all of the walks and runs that have raised millions of more dollars for other causes and charities. He's known in this country, but not recognized enough. Every person in this country should know his story. He's a hero, if there ever was one. I I don't know, do do, do kids learn about Terry Fox in school? I did. I did, definitely. And Uh, as I said, I was in elementary school, uh, probably in grade one or two, when mm -hmm. he was actually doing the Marathon of Hope, and I can remember uh, the sad news when he passed away. So I, I would hope that's a Canadian figure that... Young ones are educated on.
5: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I more about. I think I learned about him maybe grade five, grade six ish. I'm not sure where he necessarily fits in the lesson plans of uh, you know teachers today and that stuff. But guaranteed, kids
0: are learning about him for sure. Uh, definitely one of the greatest Canadians of all time. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm not meaning to get into this debate tonight, but when you talk about greatest Canadian athlete of all time, oh, he's up there. I, I mean. He tried to run across the country. Mm-hmm. He made it pretty far, you know, with an artificial leg, and and getting sick. So, you know, there there are a lot of different ways somebody can be athletic. Or and I think when you we talk about being a great athlete, you also associate, you know, willpower and. Uh, you know, the ability to overcome adversity and all those kinds of things. And I I think he'd be the the epitome of that. Anyway, just a little bit of an aside, but I I think certainly uh, a great Canadian worth talking about every now and then. Okay, uh, you can text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063. Uh, James says, "My son is in grade 11. He uh, leads the, he has to lead the Terry Fox run for his school. So, I mean, right, a lot of the school kids do the Terry Fox run.. Right on. So yep. I, I would assume that uh, yeah, he's a, he's a figure that people know a lot about and the Terry Fox run is uh, absolutely incredible for sure. All right, so Eskimos and uh, stamps coming up. One of the guys, the Eskimos are going to have to stop. Probably more of a focus on him now that Kamar Jordan is out. Receiver Devaris Daniels for the Stamps. He was talking to Morley about that Labor Day Classic.
1: Uh, sure, it was extremely physical. You know, We knew it was going to be like that coming in. Um, you know, They feel like they have a great team, and we feel like we have a great team. So we knew it was going to come down to the end. It wasn't going to be a blowout by any means. And um, Happy that we came out with the win. Um, I don't know for sure want to say that we earned that win and it wasn't given us at all but uh it was uh, definitely one for the books and, um, you know, it was definitely a classic for Labor Day. A uh, real nail-biter, too. It's uh, exciting to be in those games that go right down to the wire. For sure. I, those are my favorite games, you know, the ones that, you know, there's a lot of pressure on every play. You know, every play means something and it has, you know, so much at stake. It's uh, Those are the ones that you live for and especially in a rivalry like this is what you want to see as a fan. So, you know, I'm happy it, it turned out the way it did. You know, we got the winning in the and, um, you know, I'm Looking for the same thing this week.
2: What always puts you over the top against the Eskimos? It seems the last four or five years, you guys just have whatever it needs, whatever you need to finish the game.
1: Uh, I think we just got a lot of poise, and you know, it, it starts with our, you know, our coaching staff and, and Dave and those guys, you know, instilling it in us. Um, just, you know, we know there's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs in, in these type of games. They know us, we know them. It's not going to be pretty, and um, you know, we just got to keep battling, keep pushing, and you know, more more times than not, we do that, we're going to come out with a win. Uh, you mentioned the physicality of the game on Monday. Obviously, that has taken its toll, especially with the Stampeders. Uh, it
2: starts both sides with two good receivers out of the line. But you guys goes a little bit deeper. I guess that's one of the things you have
1: to deal with in this series is surviving to play game two, right? For sure. Uh, I think that um, you know, you know, like I said, you know, it's going to be physical. You just have to trying to just try to manage and hope that you can come out of there. You know, with enough bodies at the end, it's just, it's really a war out there. They're coming as hard as they can. We're coming as hard as we can. And you know, unfortunately, we had some guys go down, but. Um, that's that's why we're a team, you know. That's why we have the guys that we have. That's why guys have made the team that you know you haven't heard of yet, but you're gonna hear about them now. And uh, you know, it's it's an exciting time for them. Uh, you know, unfortunate situation we're having with KJ and you know the rest of the guys that went down. But you know, this is why you have the roster. This is a time where people have to step up and, and fall into their roles and, and make the season special. Do roles change? Does the look of your offense change without Come on? I don't think the look of our offense changes. Um we we have playmakers top to bottom, the receiver room, running backs, you know, offensive line is blocking. So it's you know, I don't think anything changes. It's just the people who you're going to be talking about is going to change um we've been making plays since the beginning you know we got reggie who's made plays and started for us before Jawan's made some big time catches uh richie you see what richie can do last week uh when kj went down it's we got marking was up for rookie of the year last year we got enough playmakers all around Bo to make plays and you know we're excited for it you guys are nine and one uh close to locking up first place close
2: to locking up the western final at home again talk about the motivation that you need the rest of the way with that already in the bank and i know it's the last sunday november is where the focus is and you have to have more success there in the last couple of years but how's the how, what's the kind of focus do you
1: have the rest of the way with that still at the other end Oh uh, yeah like you said we know what's at stake we just have to hone in on it and, and try to come out with it you know that that uh, we've had, you know, the West for the last two years, at least the two years that I've been here. And um, it's been a big deal for us. You know, that's one of our goals. That's one of the things that we set out to do from the beginning of the season. And, you know, for it to be here, we were right around the corner, right so close, and in, in our hand, we don't want to let that opportunity slip. And, you know, the sooner we get it, the better. Uh, We don't want to, you know, let anything creep into place. And you just want to go ahead and take care of business. And hopefully we can, you know, finish the deal.
0: That's Calgary receiver DeVaris Daniels, Eskimos and Stampeders tomorrow on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Sunday, a Edmonton-Calgary showdown of uh, a lot lesser importance in terms of uh, any sort of standings but it will be an interesting one Oilers rookies Flames rookies from the saddle dome Joe Gambardella 24 years of age one of the most uh, more ex- uh, one of the uh, older guys going through this process here for the Oilers he was also here last year went to university at UMass Lowell Played for the Bakersfield Condors last season and uh, now back for rookie camp.
5: I felt really good to get the legs out, especially after a long testing day yesterday. Uh, you know, guys were hurting a little bit this morning, but I uh, felt good to get the the legs out and get the first gate under us. And I uh, thought we did really good, you know, a little bumps in the road nothing too crazy but i thought uh, the team did really well for the first skate today what's the longest you went
0: in the in the summer without skating did you, tr- did you try to take a little bit of a break or were you pretty much out there a lot
5: no you, you know you try to take that break you know but any hockey player tell you they want to get back on the ice as uh, quick as possible uh, i think i took maybe four to five weeks off of skating um and then got back out there and uh can't can't keep away too long it's kind of hard how much did you feel you learned last season and, and might help you, you know, propel you into a better year this year? I uh, definitely felt like I learned a lot last year, you know, especially from the veterans on the team. You know, they, they do a good job of uh, teaching you and kind of guiding you and showing you the ropes. And uh, by middle of the year, they kind of consider you not so much a rookie as anymore. So you kind of take that bigger step and bigger responsibility. So uh, definitely a huge accomplishment to the veterans for helping all the rookies out last year. And I feel much more prepared, know what to kind of expect coming into rookie camp and training camp again. I mean you strike me as a guy that what do you need me to do? I'll go out there and, and, and do it is that how you is that how you see your game? Yeah, pretty much um, that was my game ever since uh, since I was a kid and uh, I tried to develop that and establish that early in every organization that I've been a part of uh, all the way from might hockey up to my uh, luckily and fortunate enough professional career all right uh, other topics here you so what
0: what is you something is named after you back home uh, Tell me how this this happened. This sounds
5: pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, over the years in college. I would uh, I got a, I used to have a job at an ice cream store and people like heard the name like and said Oh, would you mind training my son, but I didn't really know too much about it. So uh, um, I, I studied up did some learning on it. I started training Two, three kids this summer, just kind of like a hobby to put some uh, knowledge into the kids of what to expect as they get older. And then it built up into my uh, hockey performance company that I opened up last summer, uh, Stride to Greatness. Um, it's over in Somerset, New Jersey, Protec Ponds, Ice Arena, named the two training ranks right next to it uh, after me, called the Joe Gambadella Training Center. And uh, it's been it's been a blessing, you know, the, the staff there, the owner, the GM has been a pleasure to work with, and ever since I got there from day one, they've been open arms to me, and it's a really great facility, it's a great youth hockey organization that's building kids up from the A and AA level and trying to get them to become A hockey players. All right, so what, what's, I mean, you're trying to bring your pro hockey career along here, obviously,
0: and then make the NHL, but you, you're, you have this business venture going on, so uh, how do you
5: spend the time that you need to, you need to on that was that a big summer investment for you uh yeah it definitely is a, a pretty big summer investment but I always make sure I t- take care of my career first um usually uh this summer I ran six hockey camps throughout the summer and um camps usually start at nine but I'm usually up in the gym by five thirty every morning trying to get what I need to in first I'll always take care of that first and then get to the rink and help out the kids it was a pretty big investment but it was uh definitely worth it there's nobody really around that area that kind of gives back when I was growing up I didn't have nobody that had the ability to do that so it's kind of nice to give back to the community and be able to teach the young and upcoming hockey players the league and you're using your business degree already which is nice <laughs> yes now I am uh, UMass Lowell did a really good job and uh, I'm very proud and honored to be an alumni of the UMass Lowell and receive my business management marketing degree from there
0: a hard-working young man Joe Gambardella, Oilers prospect, so he... Gets up at 5.30 most of the summer, lives in Staten Island, goes across the river into New Jersey to run hockey camps. He has training rinks, uh, rinks named after him, and he started a hockey training company. So a uh, pretty interesting guy. Look, I, I know that doesn't translate to how well he's going to do on the ice, but I, I think he is one of those people you talk to and you think, yeah, whatever Joe does, he's, he, he's, he's going to figure it out. Good for him, and uh, already uh, planting the seeds there for, uh, for uh, life after hockey whenever that comes for him, for sure. And you'll see him on the ice Saturday in Calgary when the Oilers rookies take on the Flames rookies. Jamie texting in, he says, Hey, Reed, I just don't have faith in Jason Moss's play calling at key times. He seems to make mental mistakes when he's under pressure like last year in the playoffs. I hope the Eskimos change coaches next year. That is from uh, Jamie looking ahead to the offseason. Well, let's see how Moss and the Eskimos do tomorrow and the rest of the way, Jamie. But uh, hey, when uh, when you're losing, when your team's uh, losing in second halves, uh, certainly the coaching is going to get criticized. I think they were out coached in Vancouver. I think they were out coached in Hamilton. I didn't think that was the case necessarily on on Monday. Uh, I think it came down to uh, you know Calgary doing a better job on some key plays. Back at it tomorrow. We will learn about a magical sport when we get back. <laughs>
3: This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Jet.
0: The Alberta Golden Bears have just scored a touchdown halfway through the second quarter at Foot Field. It is the Golden Bears trailing Regina 14. Thirteen. The Bears were down 14-3 a few minutes ago. They get a field goal, get the ball right back, get a long punt return, and uh, take it into the house. So 14-13, Regina halfway through the second quarter at foot field. The Bears hanging in there after getting blown out. Absolutely blown out last week in their season opener at the Saskatchewan Huskies. My name is Reed. Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So uh, the thing I like about doing the show is, uh, is that sometimes things surprise you. You, you get to learn stuff and, and, or, or you find out something you didn't know. And, and if that happens, you have the opportunity to find out more. That happened a couple weeks ago, Kellen. I, I can't remember how we got into it. I don't know if it was a texter that brought it up or you brought it up. Um, but somebody said there's there, there are people who play Quidditch in Edmonton. Yep, text line. So, and I thought to myself, well, that's just not possible because that's a fictional game from Harry Potter, and it involves people flying. As far as I know, I have not read the books. I think I saw the first three, maybe four movies, uh, and I'm not like I'm not I'm not one of those guys going to make fun of people that are into Harry Potter. It's just not something I got into, and, I, and I'm into a whole bunch of stuff that other people aren't into. Uh, but I, I just don't know a lot about it. But I do know Quidditch is fictional. Uh, but I've also been told there are people in Edmonton who play it, and I have no idea how that would work. So I looked into it, and uh, I eventually got in touch with this person, Saleh Heaney from the Edmonton Aurora's Quidditch Club. Saleh, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing?
4: I'm good. How are you? I'm
0: doing well. So is is my reaction uh, typical to, to, what pe- to what people hear about your club? Are you used to hearing some of what I said?
4: I definitely am used to hearing that it's a <laughs> fictional sport. But we actually <laughs> turned it into a real full-contact, multi-gender sport.
0: Okay, well, I'm sorry for giving you the same old spiel that you've heard from a lot of people. Um, okay, so he, I'll start here with my question. When I have seen it in the movies, I'm pretty sure it involved flight. So how do you play Quidditch? Uh, I, I'm assuming without the flight, Soleil.
4: <laughs> well, basically, um, you know, muggles can't fly, so we've turned it into, we run around, and we actually have a broomstick between our legs. Just like they do in the movies, um, the only thing is we're still on the ground. But it's kind of a handicap that we can use.
0: Okay, so the, the, the sport itself, um, I, I got several questions here now that I, my, you got my mind working here. So wh- what is the goal of the sport? Wh- what would it be most similar to if, if you could break it down that way?
4: So it's kind of a combination of handball, rugby, and dodgeball.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So is it, does it involve putting an object into a net or through goalposts?
4: Yeah. So we actually have three hoops, all different heights that you can score on from the front or behind. And we have four people trying to um, score on the other team's hoops for 10 points each and defend against them as well.
0: Okay. Uh, How many people on the uh, court at a time? Do we call it a court or the field? What do we call it? A pitch. A pitch, okay. (laughs) Um,
4: So it starts out with six of us on the pitch at once, but in Harry Potter, I'm sure if you've seen the movies, you know that there's the golden snitch. Um, We introduced the snitch at 17 minutes, and we introduced the seventh player, the seeker, just like Harry Potter was, at the 18th minute mark in the game.
0: So were all these rules clearly outlined in the movies, or did somebody have to sort of derive the rules from bits and pieces of the movies and the books?
4: So they definitely had to derive the movies because it, um, derive a new rule book from the movies, because in the movies, the beaters actually have like giant wooden sticks that they're using to hit flying balls. Um, And we actually just use simply a slightly deflated dodgeball.
0: Okay. You, you must just think I'm incredibly ignorant with some of these questions, so I, I appreciate you bearing with me. Uh, okay, so do you play, you said it's a pitch, so do you, do you, are you playing outdoors or in a gym?
4: Uh, so throughout the winter we have to play in a gym because it gets way too cold in Edmonton. Right. Uh, there are definitely some teams that play outdoors year-round, and all of our major tournaments take place outdoors.
0: Okay. Uh, how many people in total play this sport, play Quidditch in Edmonton?
4: In Edmonton, we have about 50 members um, that play at all different levels. But for our full-contact competitive tournaments, we send a maximum of 21 people.
0: So you have a traveling team. And does every Canadian city have a team or teams now?
4: Uh, I wouldn't say every Canadian city, but there's definitely a good majority. Uh, Edmonton and Calgary both have competitive teams. And then in Alberta, we also have six dev teams now. Um, who play at a lower contact level throughout Alberta.
0: Okay. Well, Soleil, this is, this is fascinating. Thanks for filling us in and, and for having fun with this. This, this is, again, I, I, everything you told me, I was pretty much learning on the fly. Uh, so so that's, that's really cool. If people want to go to the web or Facebook or whatever to find out more, where can they go?
4: So you can search us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for Edmonton Aurors. It's just like the Aurora Borealis without the last A. Um, or you can find us at edmontonquidditch.com
0: okay so thanks for coming on inside sports hope you have a great weekend
4: thanks for having me you too
0: okay so there you go we got the we got the lowdown on Quidditch how they play it where they play it who's playing it uh hopefully you got a bit of a visual on, on how it works so my my skepticism has been uh, dispelled I have been made a believer of Quidditch in Edmonton Maybe I'll have to read a, a Harry Potter book at some point in my life. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. This was a fun show. We're getting you ready for the Labor Day rematch. We are uh, getting you ready for the uh, Oilers rookie games. So 3 o'clock tomorrow, we're on the air. 5 o'clock for the start of the game, Eskimos and Stampeders. Oilers rookies, Flames rookies, Sunday, 1.30 pregame show. Game will start at 2. Mentioned Golden Bears football trailing Regina 14-13 in, uh, in the second quarter. Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening, besides Soleil Heaney. You heard from Greg Peterson, Bob Stoffer, Dave Campbell, and Joe Gambardella. Also, some clips from Mike Riley and Jason Moss along the way, too. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'll see you at the football game tomorrow. Have a great weekend.